So they got two orders of Mandarin chicken with brown rice. And then Sam opened his fortune cookie. Life's journey ends with a new beginning. Whoa, that's deep. But in the real world, life's journey ends with an ending. When you die, you're done. Well, yes, your body no longer works, but your soul continues to exist, don't you think? Your soul? No, I don't believe in ghosts. We're physical creatures, material objects, just a collection of highly organized atoms. When your brain flatlines, that's it. Game over. So you don't believe in life after death? No. I mean, it's a comforting thought, but there's just no scientific evidence for it. I'd rather face the real world than believe in a fairy tale. Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. It's best to face reality. But it may be that life after death is reality. I mean, think about it. If life just ends at death, then everything we do or say comes to nothing. What meaning or purpose can our lives possibly have? Well, I guess my life has whatever meaning I choose to give it. I personally believe in truth, beauty, science, making the world a better place, saving the environment, freedom of speech, and, you know, tolerance. Yes, that's all well and good. But what does all that matter if it ends in nothingness? What are your thoughts about God? Which God? There are millions of gods. The God that's in the Bible. It's been proven that the Bible is just a bunch of mythology written by ancient desert nomads. But you know, if faith in God makes you feel good, I won't argue with that. But I personally prefer more of a rational, open-minded approach to life. Here's what I believe, Sasha. You shouldn't think anything is true unless it's been scientifically proven. But has that belief itself been scientifically proven? Um... Sam, you and I look at life very differently. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like we're from different worlds. Not different worlds. Different worldviews. A worldview is the set of lenses through which you see the world around you. It's a web of habit-forming beliefs that helps you make sense of all your experiences. Through your worldview, you interpret life in a particular way. It affects how you think, how you feel, and how you live from day to day. To understand what your worldview is, think carefully about the big questions of life. Does God exist? How did everything begin? Who am I? Why am I here? Am I living a good life? What happens after I die? Cabbages and puppies don't think about this stuff. But people do. Reflecting on these questions is part of what makes us human. In fact, every one of us has a worldview. What's yours? Lord, we just offer up this time to you, and we thank you, God, that you give us, uh, you give us your word, you give us your Holy Spirit that helps us to internalize and take root in our heart. So your word, Lord, uh, can come and transform us, that we would uh, fall in love with you, Lord, because you loved us so much. We thank you so much for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, yeah, that video basically illustrates that we all have a kind of framework from which we view reality and we make sense of the world, don't we? Uh, that framework is known as a worldview. That framework I like to call a filter. I like to think of it as like a pair of lenses that they had in the video too, a pair of glasses that you put on your eyes in which you view everything that you see and it 
leads to your certain behaviors. And uh, whether we realize it or not, we all have a certain worldview, don't we? Uh, certain beliefs that affect the way that we live and we view reality. And it's viewed, our worldview is formed by our education, isn't it? Our worldview is uh, formed by our upbringing, maybe the culture that we live in. For those of you who read a lot of books, the books that you read, maybe others of you watch a lot of movies, the movies that you watch. And so our worldview is formed and shaped by all these types of things. And for many people, worldview is just something that has simply been absorbed, like osmosis. It just happened to you. And if somebody were to ask you, what is your worldview? You might not even be able to say, oh yeah, this is my worldview. You might not be able to give a rational defense to others. Why you even believe what you believe? So whether conscious or unconscious, every person has a worldview. There's a great book, How Now Shall We Live? by Charles Colson, Chuck Colson. Uh, amazing testimony of what the Lord uh, did in his life to bring him to know the Lord and the work that he did uh, with so many uh, different apologetics types of ministries, uh, Good News Prison Fellowship, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have come to know the Lord and have a Christian worldview because of Chuck Colson. This is what he writes in his book. The term worldview may sound abstract or philosophical, a topic discussed by pipe-smoking, tweed-jacketed professors in academic settings. But actually, a person's worldview is intensely practical. It is simply the sum total of our beliefs about the world, the big picture that directs our daily decisions and actions. He goes on to say, genuine Christianity. Genuine Christianity is more than a relationship with Jesus as expressed in personal piety, church attendance, Bible study, and works of charity. It is more than discipleship, more than believing a system of doctrines about God. Genuine Christianity is a way of seeing and comprehending all reality. It is a world view. When we truly grasp this, we are compelled to see that the Christian faith cannot be reduced to John 3.16 or simple formulas Christianity cannot be limited to only one component of our lives, a mere religious practice or observance, or even a salvation experience. We are compelled to see Christianity as the all-encompassing truth, the root of everything else. It is ultimate reality. Christianity is ultimate reality. Great book. Come check it out if you'd like to borrow it from me. We even have a whole library in the office. I think we have uh, one or two extra copies there if you would like to thumb through it. Great book. So George Barna and his Barna Research Group did a nationwide survey. Check this out. They determined that only 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Wow. And when they looked into followers of Jesus Christ, those who profess faith in him, the re results went up to, guess what? 9%. Whoa, 9%. So basically, one-tenth of the church has a biblical worldview. Is that sort of startling? That startled me. Like, wow. Well, a biblical or you could say a Christian worldview is based on the truth 
found in God's Word. It's based on God's Word. So when you believe the Bible is entirely true, and it is truly God's Word and the instruction for all life, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything you think, everything you say, everything you do. It has to be your foundation. And the foundational scripture passage for having a biblical worldview is found in 2 Timothy 3.16. So 2.16. 2 Timothy, sorry, 3.16. There's a lot of good 3.16s in the Bible. This is another one. I, I forgot. I was thinking about the Bibles. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible today, uh, and we want to bring our Bibles to church, we want to draw on them, mark it up, you know, write little notes. So just in case you don't have one today, we're going to pass some out. So just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Just say, okay, yeah, I could use that. I could use that. So the greeters are going to go by and uh, grab one of them. So everybody should have a Bible. We put it up here on the screen. But I was almost tempted to say, maybe we shouldn't put up the scriptures. We'll just leave them off. So grab a Bible if you have one. That's awesome. Okay, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. Kind of small, the lettering. Uh, your Bible would be better. <laughs> Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is inspired by God, and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. This is the New Living Translation. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Let me read that again. All Scripture is inspired by God. Wow. The Bible, the whole Bible, cover to cover, every word of it is inspired by God. The word inspired there is a Greek word, theonestos. It means God breathed. So you could say all Scripture is inspired by God or all Scripture is God breathed. What does that mean? God breathed out Scripture. Is that cool? He breathed out Scripture. He breathed into those who were writing the original manuscripts, breathed out Scripture. It's inspired. So it's not any old book. It's not a very wise book even, although there are wise things in it. It's not a book where there's helpful things on how to live. It's not a self-help book. The Bible says of itself, it is God's special revelation to us. He revealed himself to the world through the words of the Bible. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know who God was. We wouldn't know who we are, where we came from. We wouldn't know how to live in relationship with God, how to live in relationship with one another. The Bible is God speaking. That's cool, yeah? God is speaking, how he speaks to us in the Bible. The Bible is God speaking. So when you hear the Bible, you are hearing the very words of God. My words, Pastor Mark's words, whoever else speak preaching, not the words of God. Okay? But when you read the Bible, these are the very words of God. Very words of God. Yes, it was written by men, but men inspired by God. So the Bible is not only inspired, the Bible is also something called infallible. So what does that mean? The Bible, infallible means that the Bible is incapable of teaching any error. It cannot be proven false. 
It's infallible. So Jesus, he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for us as his disciples. And he prayed that we would be set apart from the rest of the world. We would be taking a different path. We would be following the narrow path, following Jesus. Because why? We know the basis for all truth, which is the Bible. This is what he said, John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is true. So, is the Bible the foundation of everything you say, everything that you do? Is your worldview based on the truth of the Bible? And over the next 12 weeks, we're going to have a chance to wrestle with these things. Today's really an overview. Over the next weeks, we're going to go into some of these scriptures and really be challenged on, okay, Lord, what are you saying exactly to us? How do we have the strength to follow through? How can we apply it to our lives? So do you have a biblical worldview? Let's take a few minutes right now. We can access our Christian or biblical worldview. And let's really try to think a little bit honestly about ourselves. And you don't have to say, stand up and say yes or no. But as I read these questions, think about your life. Okay? Does absolute moral truth, what is right and wrong, no matter what exists? Would you say yes or no? Just you don't have to say it out loud. Something to think about. It's like a philosophy class, huh? Okay. Mm. Number two, is the Bible accurate and true in all the principles it teaches? Is Satan real? Can a person earn their way into heaven through good behavior? A very common belief. In the world, and you'd be surprised how often I talk to Christians who talk about this. Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life while on earth? Is God the all powerful, all knowing creator of the universe who still rules today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Yes or no? Okay, so how did you do? Did you score, I think, a 7 out of 7? Or maybe 5 out of 7? Maybe a 1 out of 7? Whatever it is, yes or no? Um, like I said, we're all in process. And we're all on this journey following Jesus. And some of you have, have said, you know what? I, I decided many years ago I'm going to follow the Lord this is my foundation for my worldview, the Bible, and I'm going to do whatever it says in it. I'm going to follow Jesus all the way. Some of you are totally new to this, and you might be thinking, oh, this is totally new. And this is a, a real beginning point in your journey to have a Christian worldview. So it's our prayer that, you know, like I said, 9% of the church has a Christian worldview. Wouldn't it be cool at the end of the 12 weeks, we would say, wow, we'd be at 99%. That would be awesome, right? So let's, let's go for that. What's the big deal about having a biblical worldview anyway, Pastor Max? Number one, you can write in your notes. Your worldview determines your beliefs. 
Your worldview determines your beliefs, your values, and ultimately your behavior. So, for example, if you have a worldview that this life is all that you that there is, that you simply you live, do whatever you do, and then you die, this world is going to be all important, isn't it? Like you'll see a lot in that little video. So everything in this world is going to be supremely important. The next life is not going to count for anything. So if you live with the belief, remember, first is your belief that this is all that you have, then you will value probably something along the lines of having a safe and comfortable life, safety and comfort. So first it starts with your belief. Then your belief is going to dictate your values. Okay, this life is all that there is, so I think I'm just going to make sure I have uh, value of safety and comfort. And then your values are going to dictate your behaviors, aren't they? You're going to be so concerned with making sure that your life is comfortable, you have everything that you need, you're going to you know, set it up best you can, safety, you're going to be thinking about this. If you have children, that's what you're going to pray for them at night even. Lord, because it can happen to Christians too. Lord, help my kids to be safe. Or we send people on a mission trip. This is always the funniest thing to me. And we do, we do want to pray for their safety. But that should definitely not be our first prayer or our last prayer. It's like the only prayer. Lord, help us as Christians to be safe. Help us to have a great time. To be comfortable. It's like, Lord, the prayer is, Lord, may your will be done. We just trust you, Lord. Help us that people there when we go on this trip, that they would come to know Jesus. When I pray over my kids, it's like, Lord, I'm tempted to pray that. You know, like, I just want them to be safe, Lord. Don't let them get into an accident or get sick. And that should, that is a prayer, but it can't stop there. Right? It's like, Lord, use my children for your glory. Like, Lord, they're not mine. They're yours. You know? Help me to direct them in your past. Like, I just pray a blessing over them, Lord, that they will just do whatever you want them, their lives to do. I don't, know, I don't know how to best handle it, Lord. My wife and I, but we would just ask that you would help us to be good parents, that we would equip them to be ready for whatever you call them to do because you have a high calling on their life. Right? And so many of you are praying the same things for your children. But so many times, even as Christians, we are tempted to slip back into this old way of life, having a non-biblical worldview. Right? But if you believe that this life is not all that there is, right, and you value Jesus and following Jesus above everything else, then your behaviors will be dictated by your beliefs and your values, won't they? And you will see yourself saying, Lord, not my will be done, just like Jesus prayed, but yours be done. I don't know what's going to happen to me in the future, Lord, but whatever it is, Lord, just use me for your glory. So what do you believe? What do you value? And how do your values determine your behavior? That's number one. Number two, you can write in your notes, your worldview determines how you will live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Your, your worldview determines how you will live as a follower of Jesus. So your worldview affects your response to every area of life from 
how you worship. Right? What does your worship look like? Not talking about worship here with the music and everything, but is your life a life of worship? How do you worship? How you relate to those around you? How you treat them? Do we really love them? Do we see God putting us in these workplaces uh, not only to earn a living, but most importantly, that others around us would come to know Jesus? How you relate to others around you? The way you study, the way for you students, for those of you who are still in school, studying unto the Lord, how you work, how you use your gifts and abilities the Lord has given you, how you treat your spouse and your friends, the way you raise your children, we talked about this last week, how you vote. That was a hard message last week, right? How you vote. And it begins with worldview, doesn't it? The way you deal with death. Many people are very afraid to die. But when you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and you have a Christian worldview, the sting of death is pulled out, isn't it? doesn't mean that you have no fear of dying, but the sting of death is pulled out. And we know where we're going. We know that we're going to be with the Lord. We know that we know that we know. The way you deal with death, what you believe to be true. It all determines how we will live as a follower of Jesus. And the life of Jesus Christ is a model of how we ought to live. So we see the words in Scripture of how Jesus lived. He lived a sinless life. And we see that as our model, as our template. Okay, this is how we're to live. You want to know what to do in our lives, how to behave, uh, what to value, what our beliefs are. We just look simply, keep it real simple, look at the life of Jesus. Always just go right back to Jesus. So that means our goal should be to think and to act like Jesus. But it isn't easy, is it? Sometimes it's so, so difficult. George Barna wrote after analyzing the results of his survey, he wrote this, and I'll put it on the screen. The primary reason that people do not act like Jesus is why? Is because they don't think like Jesus. They don't think like him. Behavior stems from what we think, our attitudes, beliefs, values, and opinions. He goes on to say, although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. So although we have a Bible, so I think they said the average American household has like three Bibles in it. Amazing. But we're not quite sure how to use this to shape and form our worldview, do we? So what happens a lot of times, too often, is instead of choosing to live according to God's worldview, we have our own worldview that we bring in. And we're saying, okay, God, I'll add a little bit of this here. Okay, God, I'm going to take, I like that message. I think I'll take a little bit of that. Okay, I remember that scripture. That sounds good. We kind of pick and choose. It's like buffet I think my wife gets on me for saying it that way. This is buffet Christianity. What do you say, buffet or buffet? Christianity. You pick and choose. Well, I like a little bit of this. No, I'm not, I don't want to eat that. I'll take a little bit of this. Don't want that. And that's what we do far too often. We have our own worldview, 
and we try to add God to it. Paul in Romans 1.25 said, they traded the truth about God for a lie. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So have you worshiped and served the things that God has created? Have you gotten your worldview from different philosophies? Where did you get your worldview from? Is it your education growing up? Is it different philosophies, worldly thinking? Worldly customs. So if we're honest with ourselves, I think we're all guilty of having a non-biblical worldview sometimes. Or maybe you've never even thought. Like I said, you might be approaching this for the first time. Ah, I never heard that term, biblical worldview, before. So wherever you are in your journey, whoever you are, God wants to meet you right here, right now, today, this morning to transform your thinking. Because remember, we have to think like Jesus. How do we do that? How do we have a biblical worldview? How do we think and act like Jesus? Romans 12, verse 2. This is going to be one of our foundational scriptures as we move on, move forward. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person. Love that by changing the way you think. Read that again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Are you saying, yes, God, that's me this morning? Lord, transform me. Help me to be a new creation in you to have a new mind, the mind of Christ, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God has a great plan for our lives. Amen? But none of that would happen. Check this out. None of that is going to happen unless we learn how to think like Jesus, like God. Unless we have a Christian worldview. That's why it's so important. It's so foundational. A lot of times we want, oh, I want God, everything, all your blessings. I want your will for my life. And we do our own thing. Living not according to the principles, the foundations of Scripture. Buffet Christianity. He doesn't want us to copy the customs of this world, but he wants us to let him transform us by changing the way we think. So, for example, when I was growing up, I wanted to be rich, okay? All kids talk about that. Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I'm going to have a limousine. I thought that was the coolest car, right? I'm going to have eight doors on mine. I talk about, and we used to draw pictures of limousines. You know, some kids draw monster trucks. I'm going to have a monster truck. You know, I'm going to be so rich, I'm going to have a Lamborghini. I got to drive a Lamborghini once. It was really cool. Um, so growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. My family, we didn't have a lot of money. And I just remember saying, oh, man, when I'm older, I'm going to be rich. And you know what? I think in this room, if we all really wanted to be rich, to be a millionaire, and that's what we set our goal to, and it was it, everything, I think every single one of us here, because there's so many smart people here, every one of you, one of us could be a millionaire. 
And that's what we dedicated ourselves to. I remember somebody in our seminary told us that once. And I was thinking, growing up, oh, yeah, I just can't wait to be rich. I used to, like, you know, sometimes not have lunch money, and I'd be, like, hungry at school. You know, I like buy a dollar. <laughs> I want to go McDonald's after school. And, you know, I would, like, think of money and how to get money and all these schemes and trying to raise money. In fact, I was thinking about money so much one night, I dreamed about it. I was in school. I came out of class, looked Kaiser High School. I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, I look up, and money starts falling from the sky. It's like dollar bills. I'm like, you know those game shows? <laughs> I'm putting it all in there, and I woke up, and I was so sad. I was like, ah, 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 oh. So I was literally dreaming of money, dreaming of being rich, right? And then I met Jesus. Amen? Then I met Jesus. And he started showing me what was truly, truly, truly important in life. He was changing the way I thought. He literally took my mind. What is that, a lobotomy or something? Right? They take out your mind or they turn it off. And it's gone, and they give me a new brain, a new way of thinking, a new operating system, and my thinking actually changed, right? And so I didn't dedicate myself to thinking and dreaming, and that was my ultimate goal in life, right, to be rich. In fact, I wanted just to do what the Lord said. And a lot of times, you know, we see exactly the opposite in scriptures. I began to be generous and give money away. It was like college age, coming to know the Lord. And still as a college student, you don't have a lot of money, right? And so you're working different jobs. You're working really hard. You're going to school. And, you know, money's just hard to come by. But I got saved I went on a mission trip, and as I was going on my very first mission trip, it was like within six months of getting saved, um, I decided, um, well, coming back to know the Lord. Because I was 19, then I backslid for a while. Then about 21, 22, I came back to know the Lord and follow the Lord. And he was doing a good work in me, and they said, why don't you go on this mission trip? And, oh, Lord, I prayed about it. I don't have the money. okay. You know, just pray. We sent, made these support letters. We sent them out to all different people, different friends. And I was so touched and so encouraged that, um, that somebody had given me actually, uh, you know, one of these support letters. And inside of it, they had given me $700. Okay? And for me, being in college and not having money, uh, for me, that was like, <laughs> What? And guess who gave it to me? Another college kid. Another college student. Okay, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> yeah, pastor. Oh. Guess it didn't mean that much to you. No, but for real, it meant so much to me. He was a guy who told me about this thing called Google, too. He said, just Google it. I said, what? What's Google? He did two things for me. He introduced me to Google, and he gave me $700. 
and I keep this. It's tattered. Like, it's barely hanging on. It might fall off right now. Okay, I keep it in my wallet. Oh, this is like 2000, uh, 2000, year 2000. Do the math. What is that? 16, 17 years ago. It's pretty awesome, yeah? Oh, I was so touched. I was so blessed. I was like, oh, I don't think I can accept this from you. But it was such a blessing and such a like an eye-opener for me to go, wow, this is the way to live as a Christian, yeah? God was using him to change the way I think, I thought, my thinking patterns. And he was saying, no, you have to live generously. So awesome. So instead of trying to always keep money, I would learn, okay, I got to bless and use it. This is God's money. So I would try to do that as best I can. I remember I had a free trip, like a round-trip ticket. I was going to use that to go somewhere in the United States. It was like anywhere you want. And I gave it to this kid who was going to this missions conference thing. And so, you know, he's like, you give it, and you wonder, was that guy even thankful? <laughs> like, I mean, he didn't really even seem thanking. Like, oh, thanks. You know, you be real generous, and then the person's not thankful, and you wonder, hmm. I remember thinking that. But then it's another learning process. You just say, no, it's not about their reaction. It's just about me learning to give. You know, so God is changing the way I think. Different little things, and I mean, I've just been so blessed along the way. So many different stories, and just the light, your life's path. You think you're going to go one way, and then God totally comes and transforms you. And he sets you on his path, and he changes the way you're thinking. Well, for a lot of you, and I'm still a work in progress. I mean, I just have a long way to go. But that's the exciting part, right? God is still doing a good work within me. He's changing me. And I'm going to look different by the time it's all said and done. That's going to be awesome, right? Praise the Lord for that. And for you too, that's the exciting about, part about being a Christian. God has so many good things in store for us. And he wants to go ahead and do that. But he has to be able to transform you. And these stories of transformation always get me. I love testimonies. I love hearing how people got saved and then the Lord just changed them around. There's so many people in this church. I have to share another story about my friend Dwayne. My friend Dwayne is a dentist. And um, my wife, he's just a really dear friend of ours. Uh, Pastor Sonny knows him. Um, and Dwayne, he was... Um, an irresponsible dentist. I'll put it like that. Okay, he's a professional, right? Dentist, you think very professional, right? But this guy, he would go out drinking after work. I don't know if all dentists do that. Maybe I. It's hard being a dentist. He'd go out drinking. He would. He was just living the wild life. <laughs> he has the greatest, greatest stories. Uh, just, you know, he went to the Maryland uh, School of Dentistry. It's the first dentistry school in the nation. Did you know that? Well, neither did Dwayne when he went there for his interview. <laughs> I always liked that story. They got in on him, and somehow they let him in. Maryland. So anyway, he came home one night totally drunk. 
walking, stumbling to his house, and he met some bad guys, got into a fight. I think it was like three or four of them. He was by himself, and they just beat him to a pulp. He was out of work, I think, for six months. Um, very serious injuries. On top of that, after that, his, somebody from the church said, hey, you know what, you should start coming to church. I think you need the Lord. <laughs> Which he did. And so Dwayne, um, oh, maybe this, maybe that, and pretty soon he got in touch with one of the pastors, Don Barron. Don Barron, talking to Dwayne, kind of took him under his wing, started meeting with him in Christian word vernacular it's called discipleship right meet do some discipleship stuff going through these scriptures and Dwayne uh, said he was just like me sometimes he would skip out when uh, you're supposed to meet and uh, anyway eventually he started working and he was sort of coming to know the Lord and giving his life to Christ when one day he was vacuuming for it was a small group coming over to his house. He's vacuuming, and he has a heart attack. He, he fall, fell to his knees as he's vacuuming. He was 40 years old at the time. I'm almost 40. He fell to his knees, and he felt like he was about this close from, that was it. And he cried out to the Lord, and he said, Lord, please, I don't want to die. I want to get right with you. I want to fall. I want my life to be found in you. So he just, the people literally knock on the door. They're coming in his house and he's having a heart attack. Okay? He gets up, lets them in, and they call 911. He goes to uh, get it all taken care of. He's out of work again. <laughs> the irresponsible dentist. Dwayne ends up becoming. So on fire for Jesus. He just loves Jesus. The next year after I went on the mission trip, he went to Tokmak, Kyrgyzstan. It's in Central Asia. And he's such a dear friend of mine. And I keep this also in my wallet. It's just a note from Duane. I just love reading it every once in a while when I'm feeling down. <laughs> Duane loves me. Max. My dear friend and brother in Christ, although you are half my age, I respect and look up to you. Oh. People who know you see more than just... Never mind. And <laughs> I won't read that. And a radiant smile. We see your heart. And this delights the Lord. Your heart for Jesus and your neighbor's Honors God, God's two greatest commandments. When I think of Max, I immediately refer to 1 Samuel 16, 7. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I better not read the whole thing. No. So amazing. The Lord just, I love the story of Dwayne and how he changed the irresponsible dentist into a Christian with a Christian, a biblical worldview. Isn't that awesome? Can we say thank you to the Lord? So there's so many different stories. There are so many different people here in the church who God has changed, He has transformed, He's made new creations, and He's given them the mind of Christ. 
And none of us are perfect. Remember, we're all a work in progress. But God has transformed our filter, right, our glasses, so that we have a biblical worldview. I mean, there's people here. I was talking with Tyson recently. Tyson's in the back. He didn't want me to talk about him, but I am anyway. Tyson's teacher at Kalani. The Lord is just answering his prayers. It's just amazing ministry on that campus. As he prayed, Lord, have your way. Like, just let me do whatever you want me to do today. And the Lord, boom, right away answers that prayer. Uh, I see so many different lights. You know, Pat, he, he's up here. Is Pat here today? I'm not sure. So yeah, he, he just to hear his story, he shared about how in Alpha, like the Lord used Alpha just to like change him and transform him to be a follower of Jesus. That he has a biblical worldview. And all his priorities, all the way he does life has been changed. It's our prayer like, as pastors, our church would have a biblical worldview. We know that this is, if this is the foundation of our church, wow. Unstoppable for your families, your futures, the future of this church family. Amen? So would you let God choose? Will you choose to let God transform you by changing the way you think? What's the big deal about having a biblical worldview? Number one, your worldview determines your beliefs, your values, and ultimately your behavior. Number two, your worldview determines how you will live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And number three, God wants to transform you by changing the way you think. Church, would you let God change the way you think this morning? Yes, he could even do it right now, right here. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20. Now, I love that. We were singing the Revelation song. And Revelation 4 talks about the throne of God. How we'll be there. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them. Eat with that person and he with me. Would you open the door of your heart this morning to Jesus? Maybe some of you for the very first time say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be found in you. Just like... Dwayne did. Maybe others of you would ask, Lord, my thinking has gone off. I don't know where I got all this stuff from. But I want to be found in you and have a Christian view that is yours, that is from the Bible, and from the Bible alone. Jesus, I need a biblical worldview. I want to quote, uh, close with a quote from St. Hippolytus. Interesting name. St. Hippolytus, he's one of our church fathers. This quote sums it all up. He said, When Christ's cosmic battle come, came to an end, the heavens shook. Stones were split open and the world might have perished. And then, when he ascended, his divine spirit gave life 
and strength to the tottering world, and the whole universe became stable once more. As if the stretching out, the agony of the cross had in some way gotten into everything. Would you rise as we close in prayer? And Lord, that's where we close our service today, Lord, but it's really just the beginning because God... We thank you that the shadow of the cross has gotten into all of our lives. Not just our lives, it's not about us, God, but gotten into everything that you've created. Not here on earth, the whole universe. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that the cross of Christ would dictate to see how much you love us, how you have a good plan for us, Lord, how you want us to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Lord, help me to be found in you. Help me to have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Lord, that I would say, this is how I'm going to live my life. Whatever's in that book, I'm going to do it. Not in my own strength, but in yours. We thank you, Lord. You are worth it, God. Because you're the one who went to the cross. If there's anyone here today that's never said yes to you, Lord Jesus, I say yes. They would say yes, Jesus. I want to receive you today. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. You would just pray that prayer in your heart. I see how much you love me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being raised from the dead three days later, God. Help me to follow you. Give me a Christian worldview, a Jesus worldview. A biblical worldview. And maybe there's others here today who are saying, wow, I really need that. I really need a refreshing, a new, and like we're starting the new year, a new perspective, a biblical perspective, the mind of Christ. I pray that right now. Whoever is, has an open heart, they would say, yes, Jesus, come. Lord, give me your mind. Give me a new way of thinking a new operating system, a new lens in which to view the world. The lens of the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.